How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney Files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. Ladies and gentlemen, the President will now be here to answer any questions. Uh, well, thank you all for coming. I, I do have time for a couple of questions. Over here, Mr. President. Mr. President. Over here, Mr. President. Over here, Mr. President. Mr. President. Uh, you, yeah, you there. Stackers from CNN. The people want to know, what is the best Disney song? That's all the time I have for today. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you, you, can't, you can't walk away from this. Mr. Mr. President. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I am Will. And on this show, we will be breaking each animated Disney classic down, song by song, in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? What? What? This is not possible! The more we go along this journey and the more discussion I see on Facebook surrounding our podcast, and if, you're not, if you haven't tracked us down yet on Facebook, please do, Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers Give and Will. Give us some love. Give us some love. Join in the conversations. Also, I should give it some love. I haven't posted anything recently. <laughs> um, but the more conversation I see, the more I realise that we've kind of backed ourselves into a corner and we're digging a deep hole that we mm. may not be able to get out of. I feel like no matter what our ultimate answer is... People not going to be happy. Yeah, people aren't going to be happy. But uh, isn't that part of the fun, I guess? Someone's... Uh, oh, what song was it? Someone was, like, really passionate about... Oh, um, I saw a friend of mine had posted our podcast yeah you know they're trying to find the best disney song and someone responded oh it's got to be on a golden afternoon from alice in wonderland yeah and i, I like, saw that too actually yeah, yeah yeah um strange choice that wasn't even our favorite from that movie was it um no it was um it was uh no it was the walrus and the carpenter walrus and the carpenter yeah interesting yeah. i love that song but oh i love it too yeah if i put it against other songs that I think were excellent, it does start falling down the, the mm. ladder. But, yeah, it's just interesting. I guess it's the songs that really hold a special place and the movies that hold a special place in people's hearts. Yeah, absolutely. And it is fascinating hearing people's perspectives and stuff like that. Like pretty much every uh, party I've been going to, you know, like dinner events and stuff, it hasn't been a lot because of COVID, but the ones that I do go to, this conversation inevitably starts up where they're like, okay, well, this is my favourite, this is why. And it's really interesting hearing those perspectives and mm. really and hearing the different songs that resonate with people. And Golden Afternoon is just another example of that. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny when people ask us 
Oh, so what's your favourite? It's like... Oh, <laughs> don't know if we can have that conversation. I think it's great because, like, quite honestly, I don't know what yours is. Yeah. You don't know what mine yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd like to keep it that way until yeah. we rip out our first 20 out of 20 and yeah. be like, whoa! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you already know mine. It's the uh, Iago breakup oh, song yeah, from sorry. the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the track. Um, yeah, but and I think that that is something that I'm sort of more consciously trying to do is not putting my favourite song into those conversations because I, I don't want to be super subjective. I want to try mm. and be as open and, and as critical as possible of everything, even a song that I love. Mm. I'm going to try and look at it through these criteria that we've developed and, and be as as neutral as I can in, mm. in um, assessing it. So, But it is interesting just seeing how quickly conversation like that sparks. Like, so All it takes is one person to say, what's your favourite Disney movie or what's your favourite Disney song? And all of a sudden there's a table-wide conversation happening and it's yeah. really awesome. Uh, it's, it's really great to see. So, yeah, track us down on Facebook, guys. Join the conversation. Help us. Uh, help us. Help us decide. Yeah, because <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who isn't aware, we are now doing bonus episodes on our Patreon and this is the second episode we're recording for today. We started off talking about Cinderella 2 and 3, which uh, was a slog, but we got through it. But for the main feed, how are you mm. doing, stackers? Yeah, pretty good. If you are interested in in listening to our bonus episodes, how do they do that, Will? Well, they do that by going to Patreon and subscribing to our channel. That is patreon.com slash dissecting Disney. Uh, there is three tiers there. You can feel free to join us at any level and you'll have access to our bonus episodes as well as early access to these episodes and uh, other cool stuff as we come up with it and as we build yeah. our fan base. We're basically trying to uh, get together a bit of a pool of money to create some special things that require money to be made. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you are interested in giving us some support, even $3 an episode just will make such a difference yeah. to us to be able to achieve what we want to achieve. Mm. Like is- get Will to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day, guys, one day. <laughs> Only 20 grand to go. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but look, today we are here to talk about Lady and the Tramp. Okay, quick stats from Stuckers. Lady and the Tramp. The year is 1955. It's been two years since the release of Peter Pan. The music and lyrics are by Peggy Lee and Sonny Burke, and in his final major feature film for Disney, Oliver Wallace has done the score. Oh, this okay. is his last one. Oh. Yeah, this is his last film, which made me a bit sad oh. because I just am so in love with his yeah. scoring. Uh, did he pass away or did he? was he just replaced? No, that was just he was done. He oh, retired. Okay. He's right. probably yeah. old. Yeah. Oh, Vale. Uh, Oliver it? Wallace. Oliver Wallace. Yeah, <laughs> you care so much. Um, you, you lighten my life with these facts, but sometimes they just go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> in the cast, we've got Barbara Luddy as Lady, Larry Roberts as The Tramp, and Bill Thompson as Jock. Now, this is the interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Bill Thompson was the voice of the White Rabbit and Smee in Peter Pan. Right. And we yeah. had a problem with him. Yeah, in we, Peter did. Pan. we did. We did. Um, because he sounded like the White Rabbit. Yeah, it was just so similar. So pretty much the same voice. Mm. So he is the voice of Jock, and he's I I didn't realize that until I read it. No. But not only is he Jock, he is also Bull, the Cockney Bulldog, 
Dashi, the German dash hound, Joe, the Italian cook, and the Irish policeman, and he does those five different dialects. And they're all very different. Mm. Like they don't sound the same. They don't we don't have that same problem we have with him as Smee. They're very different. And and there was a couple of moments where the, the Scottish accent in particular sort of dropped a little bit and I thought, oh, that's not that's not great. But I did not pick it as Bill Thompson. Mm, not yeah, at all. so super, super impressive. Other person of note in this cast is the queen herself, Verna Felton. She back. Hey, Verna. <laughs> we love Verna. So this time she's playing Aunt Sarah, and she sounds exactly like the fairy godmother. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the celebrity in this movie is Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee. And there we go. Peggy Lee plays uh, Mrs. It's, I've just written here Darling, but I believe it's oh, because it's Jim Deer and Darling. And Darling, They've got yeah. weird names. Yeah. So she voices Darling as well as Peg, the very sexy. Um, pound dog. How is she a hound dog? No, pound. Like pound. in the pound. Oh, yeah, d- I don't know pound. what kind of dog she don't is. I'm not a dog, dog person. No, yeah. No. Um, but the very sexy showgirl dog, and she also voices the Siamese twin cats. Oh, boy. Awkward turtle. (laughs) Peggy, why? (laughs) Why you do this? For those of you who have not seen Lady and the Tramp in a long time, actually, when was it? When did you watch this? I watched it last night. And when did you watch it before then? Before then, very, very long time ago. With all of these earlier movies, it feels like I haven't watched them since I was a a child. Mm. So, yeah, this has to be at least 20 years since I watched it last. Wow. I... When I was in uh, heading to America at the end of 2019, I was going through a lot of movies and that was the first time I watched like the live actions of The Lion King and Aladdin and I was close to landing and it came up on my screen, these are the movies you have time left to watch, which I thought was a really cool um, little feature. And on it was Lady and the Tramp and I thought, I don't know if I've ever actually seen that movie. Like I'm very familiar with the pasta scene but like... I don't know anything else. And so I press play and, yeah, I'd never seen it before. So I yeah, saw okay. this movie for the first time just over a year ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, well, I suppose our perspectives might be very different then considering, like I do have some memory of it from my childhood, not a lot, but, yeah, to sort of have experienced it as a child versus experiencing it for the first time as an adult. And I think that'll be me with Sleeping Beauty. I don't think I've ever seen Sleeping Beauty. So wow. that'll be an interesting little take on that. But, hmm. yeah, okay. Awesome. Okay. The synopsis from Stuckers. I love that my name starts with this. (laughs) Lady and the Tramp is about a rich bitch dog who lives in a super rich house owned by poor people, apparently. (laughs) Lady's owner have a baby and basically the dog gets demoted to just being a dog. The parents go away on vacation, leaving Lady to be dog sat by Aunt Sarah, who's basically the red fairy from Sleeping Beauty, but mean. Aunt Sarah has two racially awkward cats who destroy the entire lounge room in 60 seconds. Aunt Sarah then takes Lady to get a muzzle because she hates dogs. Lady freaks out and runs away, which is where she begins her escapades with the tramp. They go on adventures, eat pasta, fall in doggy love, do it doggy style and have puppies. The end. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Destroying the lounge room in 60 seconds is actually an unknown sequel to Nicolas Cage's Gone in 60 Seconds. (laughs) That's what went through my head when I said it. It's really funny. I watched the live action as well and it's really funny. They come in and they destroy it hardcore. They rip couches apart and bring down entire stands of, you know, valuables. Yeah. 
at the end of the movie, when, you know, lady finally comes home, you look and the couches are in mint condition, like it looks untouched. Was it all in her head? (laughs) It was a dream. Super, super weird. (laughs) Oh, Um, boy. This movie did not win any awards, nor was it nominated for any awards. Interesting. Okay. And the most famous two songs that have come out of this movie are Bella Notte and the Siamese Cat Song. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have the original synopsis. Do we want to get into that now? Yeah, so I basically um, crossed rivers and climbed mountains Sounded to like obtain yeah. this uh, story. So this story um, was, it was basically published in a magazine and is just nowhere. Does yeah. not exist anywhere online. Forum after forum after forum, no one uh, would. Po- no one seemed to have ever found a link for this. And then, just as I was about to give up, mm. I found it. Da, 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 I was like, I can't let the podcast down. I have to know. Um, We're so, all relying on it, so yeah. we appreciate it. So basically, this story was based on experiences of one of the animators, which I'll get into after you've read this, but he started writing it and it was just about Lady. There was no tramp. Okay, yeah. And it was just sort of like Lady and it was all set in the house and involved the two cats. Yeah, okay. And it was basically like a story about her and these two main cats. And Walt Disney hated it because there was no, like, grit. He thought she was too nice and it was too boring. Right, yeah, yeah. And then once he read this story, that's when he thought, oh, hang on, if I steal the character out of that story and add it in to this lady story, I think we've got a good movie. Yeah, okay. And so that's how this comes in. So this story has kind of nothing to do with the movie Mm. but is the reason that the movie became a reality. It's interesting that Disney took such an active part in the development of these movies because, I mean, look, it makes sense that he did, I I guess, but just in my head I imagine him as this, like, megalomaniac, like, (laughs) overlord figure that's just, like, cracking the whip and getting other people to do work. It's interesting when you sort of mention these facts how he he had this direct involvement in the development of a movie. It just, Mm. it makes it so, like, it makes him such an weirdly interesting person to me. I don't know why. Mm. It's just a perspective thing, I guess. Yeah. But look, I'll uh, I'll, I'll read that tale. So, <clears throat> Lady and the Tramp takes inspiration from a magazine published short story by Ward Green entitled Happy Dan the Cynical Dog. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> it was published in volume 188 of Hearst's International combined with Cosmopolitan in 1945. Happy Dan is a cynical spaniel whose name is incredibly misleading. He's a total player who uses the illusion that dogs are a man's best friend to his advantage. He manipulates his owner into thinking he's a really good dog by just doing typical dog things when his owner is looking, like wagging his tail. (laughs) Dogs, they they know. They know. They know. (laughs) Uh, Once he chased and bit a tramp who was snooping around a pram. Now, a tramp is a homeless person. Um, but he was really hoping the tramp was about to kidnap the baby and run away with it. <laughs> Far out. Ah, oh, okay. damn. Ah, oh, na- oh, nuts. <laughs> no, I didn't steal the baby again. Um, the family that owns him are basically terrible and let Happy Dan run free outside. Sometimes he doesn't come back for days, but they're super chill and all. He loves it here, so he'll come back. Who cares if he, like, eats chickens or some shit? <laughs> 
Dog owners. Uh, Happy Dan basically whores himself around to various different rich households, answering to whatever name they call him. They all feed him and take him on walks, so he's set. One family loves him so much they give him a collar, which he freaks out about, so he picks a fight with a female dog that literally rips it off his neck. The family gets a bit pissed but gets over it in the space of two sentences, so all is forgotten. To quote the text, there is no moral to Happy Dan's story. Because basically, he's a player and whoring himself out with four different families. His only fear is that one day they will all run into each other, which they do at one point, but he got out of it by basically licking anything that was breathing. He calls humans out for what they are. Idiots. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> wow. It's very, um, it's very like... Uh, adulterous almost like it's that same sort of oh what if my girlfriend finds out about my wife or something it it feels very like that which is so bizarre for a dog story yeah 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 and so basically um disney bought the rights to that story yeah how he found it i don't know this is literally like half a page yeah of an A4 page in a magazine yeah okay so it just seems so weirdly niche to find this and then think, oh, that'll work with that dog story yeah. that Joe Grant is working on. Little known fact that uh, Walt Disney was a subscriber to Hearst International <laughs> combined with Cosmopolitan. So. <laughs> so basically, yeah, the the story is to do with Joe Grant, who was one of the artists there, and yep. his wife had just had a baby and they had a spaniel. Right, yeah. And so he was just observing the dog and its reaction to the baby and thought, oh, this could be a story. Yeah. And so, yeah, Walt hated it. He read that and then bought the rights to it. And then he asked Ward Green, who wrote that story, to make a novel called Lady and the Tramp. Right. So he was like, this is great. I'm going to buy the rights now. Can you write me a full novel called Lady and the Tramp? And then we can work with it from there. Yeah. So that came out in 1953. And then very strangely... Compared to the last two films, it's not credited at the start of the movie. Huh. So unlike Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland, yeah. it does not say based on right. the story by. And the family is mega pissed about it. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, that aside, so basically World War II halted the process of this film. And when they started getting it back up again in the 50s, the tramp... They couldn't figure out what to call him. It was Lady and the something. Yeah. So these were the original ideas. <laughs> Lady and Homer. Okay. Lady and Rags. Lady and Bozo. <laughs> Can you <Wow>. just imagine? <laughs> Lady and Bozo. <laughs> what film are you going to see this weekend, guys? <laughs> well, I'm going to go see Lady and Bozo. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I hate it very much. <laughs> So uh, Walt Disney is the one that landed on the tramp, which just seems like such an odd choice given that it means a homeless person. Yeah, that seems like a really derogatory term for a homeless person yeah, as well. Yeah, I guess because he is he is homeless, he's a vagrant dog, and so it kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, I guess it, it, like, yeah, it fits, but it just feels a bit icky still. Mm. Joe Grant actually left Disney during Alice in Wonderland, so he never got to really work on the film that he created in the yeah he actually came back and worked for disney in the 80s and he worked on like pocahontas he created the whole leaves swirling around pocahontas thing yeah yeah. so yeah he just had like a bit of a bit of a break (laughs) um 30 year break i'll be back (laughs) (laughs) develop this one thing while i'm gone that i was involved in 
I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. So basically the concept art for this was done by our favourite, Mary Blair. Oh, Mary Blair. And in a series of last, so this was Oliver Wallace's last score, yep. Joe Grant wrote this but left before it was made. Mm-hmm. Mary Blair did the concept art for this in 1953 and then left Disney. Wow. Okay. So she handed the reins over to, and I want to get his name right, it's Ivind Earl. It's just spelt very strangely. Okay. So Ivind Earl then took over. He um, finished the backgrounds and the, the the artwork for Lady and the Tramp. Okay. And then he became the new staple concept artist at Disney. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a moment where it's just one moment where I looked at like a scenery painting or, a, you know, a scenery image mm. and went that is beautiful and I just assumed it was going to be Mary Blair again yeah but I'm but again I'm assuming it mustn't have been because it's um it's the changing guy but yeah it's yeah uh, yeah the, some of the scenery in this is stunning oh absolutely I think it's a really really pretty movie and it's interesting because this is actually the first animated movie that was done in cinemascope oh okay which is widescreen cin- cinema yeah so they made this movie for standard cinema, which was basically your square. Yeah. And then Cinemascope was invented. So they had to quickly redo this movie for Cinemascope. Yeah. And you can actually look up comparisons where you've got the original square movie and then the Cinemascope and sometimes there's entire characters that have been added in those side panels. Right. Because they realised if they just extended the scenery... It would just look like all the really animation is boxed in yeah, and nothing yeah. happens on the edges. Okay. So they had to animate things on the outside and sometimes that meant adding a character into that scene that wasn't there before that's just kind of, you know, another dog running around or something. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny to think like some people didn't see like the full film, inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. not every cinema adapted Had Cinemascope. Cinemascope, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Um, that would have been a big shock to them if they'd seen it in like the 90s on home video or something. They're yeah. like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who is know, this character? I shock was in that scene. I want my money back. <laughs> the other part of this, so this is based on Joe Grant's experience with his dog. Yeah. But the setting is based on Disney's life. So he grew up in Marcelin, Missouri. Yeah. And he was obsessed with the railroad there and kind of the old worldy townness of it all. Yeah. Which is why the tramp lives in the rail yard. Yeah. And basically it's a super romanticized or like what we call Disney-fied yeah. now yeah. version of what that town looks like. And basically what his world looked like when he was growing up, which explains like those really cute street scenes. It's very like simple life. Yeah. Despite the fact that the dog lives in a mansion. I cannot explain that. Um, but it was sort of like a a slightly high status small town, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And you also see this influence in Disneyland in Main Street. Okay. Um, that sort of like very simple street front. It's very pretty, but it's it's not like over- overtly ornate or yeah, fancy. Yeah. yeah, that all stems from where he grew up and how he much he loved it. And yeah. he used to um, say on like his show, our oh, kids who grew up in Marcelin are so lucky yeah, because you just love the lifestyle there. It's interesting because, yeah, trying to sort of place this movie, like in the past we've sort of been able to identify, you know, time periods and and sort of uh, stylistic choices pretty easily, like Cinderella Mm. we sort of identified as being French influenced and stuff like that. This I kind of struggled with a little bit because there's some 
um, some shots that look very much like Cherry Tree Lane from Mary Poppins yeah. as an example. But it's obvious that it, or at least to me, it seemed obvious that it was an American story because Jim Deere's putting up, you know, Yale um, flags and stuff like that when yeah. they're decorating the baby's bedroom. So it's really interesting that, yeah, like that sort of old money sort of not, oh, what am I trying to say? Like an old money sort of rural town yeah, that kind of makes sense to me, I guess. Yeah. yeah. it. They don't say it in the animation, I don't think, but in the live action they live in, you know, a similar house. It's a mansion. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And Aunt Sarah gifts Darling a vase and says, you know, this is invaluable and I'm sure Jim could never afford something like this on his salary as a – and she trails off and Darling's like a musician, takes <laughs> it as an insult. But I'm like – what the shit does she do? Like they live in this yeah. mansion of a house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's clearly got no money yet. You've got like a house that only people who like got a, a trust yeah, fund to live in yeah. Durac could afford. Like it's crazy. Well, yeah, Darling must be from the money side. Yeah, and yeah that's for Because Aunt Sarah I think is Darling's. Sister. Sister, okay, yeah. Yeah, Something it's his like sister. Yeah. I'm getting it confused in my head with 101 Dalmatians. Oh, okay. Because Cruella is her sister. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd anyway. Forgo- I'd forgotten that fact about 101 <laughs> Dalmatians. That's going to be a surprise coming up. <laughs> um, so the time is 1955 and what else happened in 1955 that was a big deal for Disney? Uh, oh, you mentioned it before the episode. Disneyland opened. Disneyland opened. Da-da-da-da. Disneyland. The world's most fabulous kingdom will be unveiled before an invitational world premiere. So Disneyland opens um, one month after this film is released. Right, yeah. Huge deal. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's great because it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> day one yeah. is known as Black Sunday. <laughs> Ominous. Because everything went wrong. Right. So basically they... Um, this took one year to build, which I feel like is obscenely That's really quick. quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one year Far and out. one month to build. Okay. And Disney invited eleven thousand people, and they were pretty much all celebrities or family and friends. Yeah. Twenty-eight thousand people showed up. Oh my good god! So when they sent out the tickets, they were these basic green tickets. Yeah. Which got leaked pretty quick, so people started counterfeiting these tickets and selling them. <laughs> So they were not prepared for more than double the amount of people to show up that did. Yeah. There was even a guy with a ladder against one of the walls who was charging people $5 to use his ladder to jump the wall. How good is that? (laughs) Oh, my God. Easy money. (laughs) Um, So 28,000 people show up. They're not prepared for it. They run out of food. Mm. They run out of drinks. There's a plumbing strike which turns off the water. Oh, wow. The rides break down. The steamboat sinks because there's too many people on it. Um, (laughs) The the asphalt on Main Street gets too hot because it's summer and so it melts and so women's high heels are getting stuck in the street. And the best part of all of this is it was broadcast live on national TV. What a disaster. My goodness. So I just want to play you a bit of the opening speech. So they had three presenters. One of them was Ronald Reagan before he became president. Wow. And I just want you to listen to what this guy says right right at the start. 29 cameras 
dozens of crews and literally miles and miles of cable. Now, of course, this is not so much a show as it is a special event. The rehearsal went about the way you'd expect a rehearsal to go if you were covering three volcanoes all erupting at the same time and you didn't expect any of them. So, from time to time, if I say we take you now by camera to the snapping crocodiles in Adventureland and instead somebody pushes the wrong button and we catch Irene Dunn adjusting her bustle on the Mark Twain, don't be too surprised. It's all in fun and that's what we're here for. So it's like they knew it was going to be a shitstorm <laughs> yeah, yeah, before yeah. it even started. <laughs> um, and that broadcast goes for an hour. Mm. It was watched by 50 million Americans. Wow. That is over half the population of America. Jeez. And I have watched that broadcast. Yeah. And it is terrible. Like <laughs> there's so many times where someone will be talking yeah. and then all of a sudden their audio will cut and they'll still be talking, but someone else will be talking like, now we're going to go to this. Or they'll be halfway through saying something like, now we're going to go to the crocodiles. Like it just, yeah. it's such, such a mess. A far cry from the happiest place on earth yeah. that they <laughs> claim themselves to be now. It's such a disaster. And like I really loved at the start there are like uh, important people at the front of Main Street doing their big like we're opening the park and there are three religious figures there. One representing Catholics, yep. one representing Protestants, and one Jewish. Right. And the Catholic one did a big let us pray yeah. and then the other two did nothing. But I was like, we are post-World War II. Yeah, now, we yeah. know that Disney was anti-Semitic. Yeah. What was the Jewish guy doing yeah. there? Like, who invited him? Oh, boy. Yeah. I just thought that was such a weird choice. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was Black Sunday. And you know, it was you would think that would be the death of that theme park. Yeah. The next day, 50,000 people showed up. Within 2 months, we've had a million visitors. Wow. So like, it's like nothing will stop the magic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like um when you when you're told something is a shit fest, you kind of want to watch it just to see how much of a shit fest it is. Maybe it was like that. It's like oh, this went so bad. Let's go and see what happens today. I just today. really wish it's not caught on footage, but I wish I could have seen that steamboat just slowly yeah. sinking in the middle of With the like river. With an animatronic yeah. Mickey Mouse just like doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> so good. Um, what probably struck me the most when we're talking about how, you know, racial stereotypes and things that were accepted back in the 50s, yep. they had in, oh, I just, I don't care for the names of places, but I think it's Frontierland, yep. Davy Crockett fighting the Indians. And that was like the the show. Yeah. And part of my brain goes, oh, yeah, that's just like, that was normal. Like I remember growing up hearing about like Davy Crockett fights the Indians. You know, we saw like cowboys fighting Indians and yeah, you know, that yeah, was like a fun yeah. thing to watch. And I just flicked it into the perspective of imagine going to a theme park and being like, it's going to be James Cook fighting the Aborigines. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that was entertainment to reenact. Like, yeah. holy shit. Like when you think of it like mm. that, that sounds so offensive. Yeah. Yeah. But like over when you put cowboys versus Indians, you're like, oh yeah, it's a fun game. And it's yeah, like, I think it comes back to what sort of what we were saying last week about how that's so. Oh, sorry, last episode, uh, last episode, yeah, yeah, Peter Pan episode, how it's so disassociated from our knowledge and culture that it it it, it 
it would seem at times less egregious, but mm. yeah, it's so strange. It's so strange. And like in the main street parade, they have Davy Crockett and his like fellow cowboys riding around on horses. Mm. And then behind them are the Indians just carrying poles and things. Uh. And I, again, I went, oh my God, if we did that with like Indigenous people or worse, people pretending to be Indigenous people. Like, yeah. oh, my God, can you imagine that in 2021? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's just the sort of thing you have to go, it was the 50s and it was for some reason accepted, but it doesn't make it any less uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So that's Disneyland. That's Disneyland. So, yeah, this was Day one. That's the end of my, like, fun facts about this movie. Excellent. So I reckon we take a short break and then we come back and we talk about the songs. All right. See you in, you know, a few minutes. Hey there, Disney Bandits. It's Will here. We'd like to take a moment to thank all of our Patreons for their continued support. Without you, we couldn't make the show, so we thank you, all of you. If you'd like to contribute to making this show as best as it possibly can... Come and see us over at uh, patreon.com slash dissectingdisney where you can get early access to our episodes, other cool stuff, and as we've already said on today's episode, some bonus episodes that are going to be coming out monthly. And if you like hearing my voice, you can find it on another podcast, Tabletop Unknown, where we discuss and playtest tabletop role-playing games that aren't Dungeons & Dragons. We're in the middle of Season 4 now, so it's now is a good time as any to jump on board. <laughs> So, Lady of the Tramp. I actually really enjoyed this film. I did too, yeah. A lot more than I was expecting to. Yeah. Because it started off and I thought, oh, God, what am I in for here? I just mm. The dedication to dogs at the start I thought was really <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then I sort of had this moment of dread where I was like, hang on, is there something really horrible that I'm going to have to sit through here? Because I, I was watching it with my, uh, you know, I picked up a new puppy yesterday. I was watching it with my, new, my oh, two dogs. Yeah. And they got um, not, not super distressed, but they noticed a lot when the dog barking was happening. So mm. I was like, oh my god, if there's like whimpering or something, I need to I need to know in advance. So I was I was worried about what I was getting myself yeah, into. It's okay. Trusty lives at the end. I was angry. <laughs> like I can't think of what word I want to say. Really? I was I was so not angry, that's the wrong word to say. I was really shocked when that happened because it seemed so sudden. It would just cut to like trusty being under the wagon. Mm. And then it cut to the next Christmas, and I was like, "What is he? Is he okay?" <laughs> and then he comes limping along. I was like, "Oh my god, thank God!" But so originally he died. That's oh. why it doesn't show you anything. But the person that demanded that be changed was Peggy Lee. She was like, "It's too sad for yeah. children. He has okay. to live." So she did good things as well as bad things yeah. for this movie. <laughs> In the live action, there's a lot of differences between a lot of small differences differences between the live action and the. Um, animated, which I'll just bring up as they come up. But yep. um, instead of Trusty being the one hit by the cart, it's the tramp. Oh, okay. And he nearly dies. Right. And, um, and then the dog catcher um, goes to, like, drag him off and Jim Deer and Darling are there and they're like, no, he's, like, really injured and he's bleeding and you're, like, basically dragging him all, yeah. along. And he's like, no, it's a run to the dog. I don't know. The dog catcher's like, full obsessed yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. in the live action. Like my mum was like, what is his problem with this dog? Like it seems to be his whole life's perfect, like Javert style yeah, hunting yeah. this dog. It's actually an adaptation of Moby Dick yeah. and that's the white whale. <laughs> and he says, you know, a dog without a home is a, you know, goes to the pound and then 
Darling says, no, he has a home. And all of a sudden my heart's starting to break. Yeah, she's yeah. like, he has a home. It's our dog. And they take him home and I was crying. Cute, I was like, I'm yeah. feeling feelings. My mum was like, get over it. I'm like, I'm feeling feelings. Mum's like, get over it. My, <laughs> my mum's just like. <laughs> is there is there music and singing in the live action? A little bit. Yeah. I didn't remember many songs being in here anyway, but no. La La Lou is a massive song in it. Yeah, okay. It comes back so many times. Wow. Bella Notte is in it. Yep. The Cats have a different song that was so forgettable, I don't remember how it went. Yep. And He's a Tramp is in it. Right, okay. Yeah, all of which were, I'll, you know, I'll talk about when we get to them because they were all a bit interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, well, look, let's um, let's get stuck straight into the songs then, shall we? All right, the music of Lady and the Tramp. Okay, so this first song, Peace on Earth, when I looked at it on my page, I was like, what the crap is that song? Yeah. And I've already forgotten how it went. Yeah, it was very <laughs> um, Christmassy lullaby almost. Yeah. I actually didn't rate it because I couldn't find the lyrics in my usual like Disney lyrics list. So let me just quickly look it up. Ah, well, I gave it whilst you're looking for it one 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 zero. I was just <laughs> bored. I was like, it exists. It's there. Yeah. Okay. Meh. Uh, <laughs> what was it called again? Peace, Peace on Earth. On Earth. Silent as the snowflake in the night Holy is the spirit of this night All the world is calm and peaceful All the world is bright and joyful Which is just a generic Christmas um, lyric. Yeah. Look, I'm just going to give it zeros all round um, because I don't remember it. <laughs> and I didn't think to look it up, so obviously I didn't care that much about it. So. Well, it's only it's whilst they're zoom, like the camera's just zooming through the town, yeah. and then like lands on the very Christmassy window, and then you see Jim and Darling. I hate calling her Darling; it just sounds like a pet name, and they yeah. couldn't be bothered naming yeah. her. Um, and she opens the hat box, and there's Lady. Okay, which is like. We're, we're like two minutes into the film. Mm. In the live action, we're like over ten minutes into the film. It That's takes unacceptable. Years. It's yeah. unacceptable. These Disney live action remakes that add time when mm. time doesn't need to be added is unacceptable. Yeah. Someone so needs to be held to account. It's just it's so annoying. This one animated, one hour nineteen. Yeah. Live action, just under two hours. Same story. <sighs> There's not even added scenes really or anything. No. It's just everything's drawn out. Like, yeah, look, stop doing that, Disney. Yeah. It's I know we're one lowly podcast from Melbourne, but stop doing it. Hear our prayer. <laughs> Actually, to be fair to the song, I'm just going to have a quick listen to it now and then I'll rate it properly because I don't think zeros all round is fair. It is like a bad Christmas carol. <laughs> um, oh, look, I'm going to give it. Uh, I'm going to give it two for music. Really? Yeah, I think the the melody's quite lovely, um, but it's just nothing special. If you gave anything else in this movie a two, just think about that. Is it as good as what you gave it? That's two? actually a really good point. Let me have a quick look. Put on your will hat. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to stick with a two. All right. Yeah, yeah. Generous. The other one that I gave a two, I think, is a horrible song. So it's not really saying much <laughs> me for <too>. it. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> um, so two for music. One for lyrics, zero for animation, zero for contribution. Yep. Cool. cool. Yeah, that's not going to win. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, the next un- uh, the next forgettable song is What is a baby? Baby, baby, baby. Mm. What is a baby? I just can't understand. It must be something wonderful. It must be something grand. Cause everybody's smiling in a kind and wistful way. And they haven't even noticed that I am around today. And I think that the 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 little bits we just did is more impactful than this fucking song. Well she doesn't she sings it as an internal monologue, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's given this weird echoey filter. Yeah. I, I'm guessing to um represent the fact that she's thinking it, but it is so bad. Yeah, it it's like very literal. Yeah. Really literal. Yeah. I hated this song and <laughs> I, I have no problem saying that. I hated it. I think it is just possibly the worst piece of music <laughs> I have heard in at least a couple of episodes. Blood a lot of lum bum. <laughs> yeah. That's why I won't say that it's the worst I've ever heard in this podcast. <laughs> um, it was so bad. And I think that the choice to make that really echoey sound, I'm sure was an inspired decision by someone, but it did, it just, it made it so poorly it made it so poor to listen to. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that this person is a particularly good singer and I don't like it's judging people's Peggy singing Lee. voice. Is it Peggy Lee? <laughs> Fuck off. Is it Peggy Lee? Yes. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. Yeah, she sang What Is It Baby, La La Lou, um, He's a Tramp in the Siamese Cat Song. That is unacceptable. <laughs> Then it has to be. I'm, I'm putting it down to that f- stupid filter that they've put on it because Peggy Lee can sing. Peggy Lee's good at sexy, sassy singing. Like, yeah, I guess not whimsical. Sort yeah, she's of, not known for lullabies. No. All right, what did you rate it? Oh, fuck. Okay, I gave it a two for music. So that's the other one I didn't Sorry, like. I'm just getting my head around. I don't think she's a good singer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? I blame the one Peggy time Lee. there's a celebrity singing in the soundtrack yeah. and you say, I don't think the singer's very good. <laughs> Idiot. I don't like I said, I don't like judging people singing. Because a lot of the times in these earlier movies they weren't <laughs> singers necessarily. They were voice actors. But she fuck was. off, Peggy Lee, you should know how to do this. Jesus. Um, so I gave it a two for music, yeah. a one for lyrics, uh-huh. a two for animation, uh-huh. and a one for contribution. All right. I gave it one for music, two for lyrics, zero for animation, okay, and one for contribution. Yeah. I thought it was boring. Fair. I mean, yeah, I've probably overmarked it for animation because it was like it was basically her just walking through the house, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I've I've definitely over. Marked it for she that. She is probably one of my favourite animated dogs ever. She's yeah. She's pretty. She's p- very pretty. And I think the animated dogs in general in this movie are quite good. Mm. They're all, they've all got their own style. Yeah, they're all, super distinct. Yeah, they're very different dogs and you can tell that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely overmarked for animation though, but I'm not, I'm not going to bother changing it. I would just change it to a one if I, if I did. I wouldn't change it to a zero. Mm. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, look, it, it, uh, it, it, 
I hated it. Yeah. It just didn't need to be there. No. Like, she's already asked that question, had that conversation, why are we singing about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, look, that's What is a Baby, which transitions directly into La 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 Oh, my little star sweeper, I'll sweep the stardust for you. It was funny when I was marking this because I watched the live action the day before I watched the animated one. Yeah. And La La Lou, like I said before, is a huge part. So she originally sings La La Lou to Lady. Okay. Whilst yeah. Lady's kind of falling asleep in her lap. And then she, Lady hears her singing it to the baby and is really confused by it. Okay, yeah. And then at the end of the film... She sings it to both of them. She's yeah. got the baby and um, ladies at her feet. So it kind of has a really nice arc. That's really interesting. And that gives it a lot more meaning and depth mm. than this sort of just once off does. Mm. And it's it's moments like that where I think that, yeah, maybe ladies' fears about being replaced are justified and it's stuff, but that stuff isn't really explored in this at all. No, and I went to rate it really highly and then I was like, wait, wait, I'm thinking of the live action and yeah. how much weight it carried when it came to contribution to story. Yeah, okay. you hear more of it as well lyrically and it's really pretty in yeah. full. Yeah, Um, But, yeah, in this it's kind of just a la-di-da, she's singing a lullaby moving on yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what'd you rate it then? Um, I gave it two and a half for music and lyrics. Yep. One for animation, one for contribution. Okay. Yep. Uh, very similarly, I gave it a three for music, two for lyrics, uh, one for animation and one for contribution. Yep. Cool. I, I think I'm going to – I definitely. this is – I know I say this a lot about all of the live actions, but I think I'm definitely going to watch the Lady in the Tramp live action because I'd really like to see that sort of weight put on that song. It is a really, really nicely directed film. Yeah, yeah. I think the animals look great. They are real animals that have had their mouths CGI'd to make them look like they're talking. Mm. Uh, which in itself is an amazing feat to get animals to just act. Yeah, particularly you know? <laughs> in 20... When was it released? 2019, 2019. or something, I think. Um, particularly in 2019 when CGI is so commonly available, to make the choice to use animal actors is really great. I, I really love that choice. Oh, it craps all over The Lion King. Yeah, like, yeah. It just looks way more natural and way less boring. Yeah. The, and I mean the live action Lion King, not the original, sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can already see them like typing out their furious reviews. Oh, sorry, backspace, backspace, backspace. Um, we cool, we cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's very much worth watching. I was a, a little bit hesitant because I thought I didn't even know this existed until Disney Plus suggested it. Yeah. But no, it it's just really, really well done. The only thing is it's just very drawn out where yeah. it doesn't need to be some scenes. I'm like, oh, my God, move mm. on. The only thing that doesn't work is when the animals are singing, it looks weird. Yeah, okay. It looks real yeah. weird. Yeah, it's funny you say that you didn't know it existed because this was, to my knowledge, this was developed specifically for Disney+. Plus. It was never oh. intended to be a, a theatrical release like a lot of the movies that came out to Disney+, Plus in the last year were. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that's sort of why I, I remember reading about it once and going, oh, I haven't heard about that. And then, mm. yeah, looking into that. And, yeah, so it was specifically made for Disney+. Plus. There you go. That's probably why then. Yeah. But moving right along, next up we have uh, the Siamese song. Please. 
don't, I, yeah. Oh, this is hard. It, it, similar to um, When I See an Elephant Fly, I've always loved this song. Yeah. And that's in my, you know, when I was a child, I loved this song and I had no idea it was racist. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're Siamese cats. They sing like that because they're Siamese. I get it. Yeah. It's Peggy Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Peggy Lee is doing so much different stuff in this fucking yeah, movie. She is. Oh my god, she's gone from bad singer to racist singer yeah. in the space of <laughs> two songs. Bring on the fever song. Yeah. Um, it's um, it, 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 further to that. Angie had a very similar thought because she sort of turned to me and went, "This is really unfortunate because I remember really loving this song." So you're certainly yeah. not the only one. It's just super catchy and earwormy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but look, I didn't bother rating it mm-hmm. because I had to think about what we were talking about with, um, you know, last week's uh, last episodes, what makes the red man red and how that differs from elephant fly and all that sort mm. of stuff. And this is kind of a weird mix of both mm. where in the characterizations are really problematic, but, but the, the lyrics are as well. The lyrics, yeah, but the lyrics are as well. Not mm. so much in that they are depicting racial, they're not talking about racial stuff, but they're structured in a way that really plays up that accent that some people uh, from Southeast Asia have when they learn English. Especially because she sort of speaks yeah. the, te- the second half of this song. Yeah. And she is Peggy Lee. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. The animation in this is awesome. Yeah, it is. It's a really fun sequence visually. Mm. Um, and I know you were talking about a particular segment. You know? Yeah, the, when Lady – they, they – knock the fishbowl off the table, They one catches the fish, lady picks it up with their teeth and puts it in the fishbowl, but the other cat is sitting in the fishbowl with its jaw open so she puts it in the mouth of the cat. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And this song is replaced in the film yeah. by a song that I've forgotten the name of, but here's a clip of it. Now sit right there and take a seat. I'm sure you're glad we came. But we've got some cleaning ah. up to do. We'll need to rearrange. Super forgettable. Like yeah. I got, they were trying to, they're trying to do some sort of like fast, like scat cat kind of yeah, thing, yeah. and kind of like in Cats when they changed Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser to like a jazzy. It just doesn't yeah. need to happen. Yeah, it almost feels like that song actually. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. We're a notorious couple of cats. But better animated. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we should do a movie musicals dissection so we can talk about cats. I have so many feelings. So many feelings. But, yeah, it, it was kind of like, oh, that song was racist. Let's write a new one. And it's yeah. just forgettable. Like at least the, mm. the racist one had a cool tune. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're both they're both crap, uh, yeah. you know, in their own ways. So, so yeah, I think uh, we'll leave that one. Moving on to the best song ever. Oh, this is the night. It's a beautiful night, and we call it a It is so beautiful. 
love I this scene. Love this scene. Yes, it is so good. And the the um the oh God, what are their names? Tony and Joe. Is that it? Something like that. Yeah, they are so fun. Yeah. And it's just it's a beautiful sequence and a beautiful song, and it, I love it. It is, and this is one that Walt Disney was really concerned about. Yeah. Because he didn't think that. Dogs eating pasta would mm. be romantic. He was like, yeah. it would be slopping everywhere and flicking everywhere and there'd be sauce and that's not going to work. Yeah. And the guy who animated it, whose name has left me, but I know his first name is Frank, was like, no, 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 we can make this work. Walt yeah. said no. So he went ahead and animated it and did a draft animation. Smart move. And he had them, you know, when they're slurping the spaghetti, it's like really slow, so it's not flicking everywhere. Yeah. And then that moment where they join, they pick up that same strand yeah. And then they, they, I say kiss, that's weird, but their noses meet. Yeah, yeah, they have she a tender looks away. But the bit that kills me is when he, straight after that, nuzzles the last meatball over to her. Yeah. Oh, my heart. And yeah. I cannot express how much more adorable this is in the live action. Yeah. It just, yeah. it's beautiful. The way they set up this scene is amazing. Yeah. And Oh, God, that moment is just so cute. <laughs> Again, watching it with my two dogs last night, I just had like overwhelming moments of like heart warmth. Yeah. Where I was just like, oh, they're just so cute. And they're so like, it's, it is, it's a really loving and tender moment mm. that you wouldn't expect in a, in a movie about dogs. Again, like if someone had said to me, described this scene to me almost, I, I would probably have similar thoughts to Disney about, oh, no, it's just going to be a mess and all that sort of yeah. stuff, but it is so well done. It's so well done and straight away after it when they go up to the hill and just look yeah. at the town and yeah. that's a beautiful bit of animation, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where I saw the the painted scenery where I was like, that's yeah. really stunning that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. But this scene in particular is really often parodied as well. Like you, you yeah. know this scene, even if you haven't seen Lady and the Tramp, you know this scene. Yeah. It is... So often. Just the spaghetti thing, like yeah. that joint spaghetti thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like every cutesy couple has yeah. done that when they're, you know, when you're making pasta and you're testing the spaghetti, it's like, hey, we should do that thing for yeah. Lady of the Tramp. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all done it, haven't it's, we? Haven't uh, we? Back me up. Look, I, I haven't, but I think I know what I'm doing tonight when do I make it, dinner. Do it, do it, do so. it. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a really beautiful song as well. Mm. I think that the particularly when Joe comes in with the harmony, yes, it's so lovely. It's so Italian. Yeah, it's yeah. so Italian. What yeah. did you rate it? So for music, I gave it a four. Uh, for lyrics, I gave it a three. Animation, I gave it a three, and contribution, I gave it a four. We were almost identical. Oh, this um, has not happened. Yeah. So music, I gave it a four. Yep. Lyrics, I gave it a three and changed it to a 2.5. Okay. Only because I was like, I think I'm just too, like, I'm too in love with this. But also, this is the night, what a beautiful night, and they call it Bella Notte. They call it Beautiful Night. Right. What a beautiful night. They call it Beautiful Night. Okay, yeah, We're yeah. kind of just indulging in Italian language when really you've just said this beautiful night is called Beautiful Night. Yeah, like, yeah. We're relying on, you know non-European audience being like, oh, that sounds pretty, when in actual fact it's a bit of a stupid sentence. I don't know why this has come to my mind now. And Sorry, we'll get back to your rating in just a second. <laughs> but have you ever seen that really bad movie with Hugh Grant called Mickey Blue Eyes? No. Mickey Blue Eyes, it's a really bad movie. It's basically about a British guy who starts dating a gangster's daughter and the gangster's played by James Kahn. Okay. And James Kahn owns this restaurant called the La Trattoria and... 
Hugh Grant has this whole bit where he goes off on about, well, you've just called it the, the Trattoria because <laughs> la means the. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, and so you've just reminded me of that there. So sorry to yeah, uh, no, sideline. No, 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 I, I love it. I, I actually would love, probably exists, I've just never bothered looking it up, but I would love to hear this song just sung in Italian. Yeah, yeah. And I almost feel like they should have done an English verse and then flipped into full time. Yeah, like uh, just feels like it's know, heading there. Like the prayer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go with that. Yeah. That's your example. That's Jeez. my yardstick for far out. <laughs> um so animation I gave this a four. It was a three until they went up on the hill and I was like, this is just bloody beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then contribution I gave a three. So we just swapped our numbers there. Yeah. 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 So point five of a difference. Yeah, lovely, mm. lovely. But it is, it's a stunning, stunning song and a stunning sequence. And I think, yeah, I, I think we'll tr- I'll try and find a version that's in Italian. Yeah. Yeah, and we can post it to the Facebook. But, yeah, so that's Bella Norte. Uh, and next up we have the last song in the movie. The moment where Peggy Lee gets to do her Peggy Lee thing. Without being problematic. <laughs> it's He's a Tramp. He's a tramp, but they love him. Breaks a new heart every day. He's a tramp, they adore him, and I only hope he'll stay that way. Without being problematic. <laughs> You're hilarious, I love you. Oh, uh, thanks. Right back at you. This is a banger. Yeah, I really liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as Bella Notte, and when we were going into it, um, He's a Tramp is the only song I actually remembered from this movie. Mm. Um, I think I, I, when it played, I remembered the Siamese song, but I think I had associated that with the Aristocats. And uh. so when we were coming into this movie and the, the cultural message came up that is in the start of all these problematic movies, I it caught me by surprise. I was like, oh, shit, what... Uh, what happens and then this sequence happened and I went no actually I thought this was a part of the Aristocats so mm. um, He's a Tramp's the only one I remembered but I didn't love it as much as I love Bella Norte but I did still rate it quite high yeah, yeah. it's funny I, I didn't realise but that disclaimer at the start that you cannot skip yes. I didn't realise you can't yeah. skip okay has um, for more information go to this website it's like disney.com slash story sharing or something okay that website has been updated. It's now like WaltDisneyWorld.com or something. Like oh. <laughs> the link's wrong. <laughs> I found it, but I was like, um, you might need to update that. Yeah, so th- th- thanks, Disney, but <laughs> God, do better still. Far out. Yeah, and what I found interesting was it was basically that statement again. Yeah. And then it had um, scenes that were problematic and just a little bit about like why. Yeah. So it had, you know, what makes the red man red. It had the Aristocats thing. Yeah. But it only had like four or five of them. Aladdin wasn't there. Lady in the Tramp wasn't there. Right. It was okay. kind of like, oh, we'll just talk about these and I suppose these are off the, we go. Not to diminish what's coming, but these are probably the more obvious ones, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, but I thought tricky. this was an obvious one. Oh, yeah, this is definitely an obvious one. So yeah. this wasn't there. So it okay. wasn't there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this, um, this one, I love the song. It just never pays off like I want it to. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like back to cats, McCavity. Yeah. I know Taylor Swift fans, including Tim, are going to at me here, but like <laughs> that girl just destroys that number. It's yeah, meant to okay. be sexy and it's like angle, angle, box, box. Like everything looks like a boxy move. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, This is, <laughs> <laughs> it's not sexy. It's just not yeah, sexy. Yeah. This is the same. I get it's a dog, but I just feel like it doesn't quite hit the point I want it to. Yeah. 
but the live action is worse. Right. Okay. Um. So the live action. This song's by song is sung by Janelle Monae. Right. Who I just like love. Yeah. But I feel like she was told to pull it back. There's okay. something about it. She's an incredible singer, but there's something about it that feels like it's just really subdued. Yeah, Have a little yeah. listen. He's a tramp, but we love him. Pulls a new scam every day. He's a tramp. We adore him. And we know he'll always stay that way. Just doesn't. I don't know. I feel like she could do more with it. And then the animation of like the the CGI mouth on the dog. Just I don't know. It didn't didn't work. It's yeah. sexier in the animation, but even the animation doesn't hit the point I want it to. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Especially when you think about Peggy Lee being the voice and Peggy Lee doing you know Fever, which is yeah. like one of the you know sexiest husky songs ever written. You know that sort of that vocal. Oh, what am I trying to say? The 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 way that the she uses her voice, that tone tonality, yeah, yeah, yeah. The it, it's stunning, yeah. But, um, and this does a little bit for that, but yeah, you're right. There's something it doesn't quite hit the same beat, mm. almost. Yeah. I have to mention that um, in Disney on the record, which is something I mentioned, I think in like our first episode or second episode, there is a duet version of this between okay. two women. Yeah. And it's one of my favourite duets to sing with my friend Anna. He's a tramp. He's a tramp. He's a rover. He's a rover. And there's nothing more to say. If he's a tramp, he's a good one. And I wish that I could travel his way. My God, it's a banger! Yeah, like yeah. it just elevates it up, and it becomes this big, belty, sassy like yeah, nightclub. Nice. So good. Yeah. But what did you rate it anyway? Back to the original uh, animation. Yeah, cool. So <laughs> <laughs> I rated it four for music, uh-huh. three for lyrics, mm-hmm. three for animation, mm-hmm. and two for contribution. Right. I rated it flat threes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Fair. So first time I've done that. We're very close. In terms of its music and lyrics, I, I like it on an equal level with Bellinotte, but yeah, I just think that the 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 whole romantic sort of side of Bellinotte is so beautiful. Just, yeah. This is going for something different, obviously, but it just I just don't feel like it's impactful as mm. impactful. So that's why I rated it less on contribution. But um, yeah, but that's um. That's all the music. That's guys. all the music. That's Lady and the Tramp. That is Lady and the Tramp. Now, unfortunately, there isn't any songs from the cutting room floor for this uh, for this episode, which I know you're all going to be crying about. Um, <laughs> try to hold it together, guys. Yeah. Uh, I am. If uh, they are, they're on Peggy Lee's cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of Peggy Lee, so in 1985, mm-hmm. the VHS for Lady and the Tramp came out. Right. And Peggy Lee sued Disney. Oh. So basically she wrote the mostly the lyrics. Yep. But she owned the rights to transcription. So sheet music right. royalties went to her. Yeah. She sued them because she she said VHS releases, that's a transcription. Ooh. And when you think about it, I guess technically it is. Like a transcription is to copy something yeah. down. Yeah. She won. Interesting. Yeah, they gave her just over $2 million for it. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. And I think it became like a um, 
what do you call it? Like a landmark case. Yeah, a bit yeah. of a landmark case for this sort of stuff moving forward. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, you're making more money off my music, but now I'm not getting paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I kind of agree with because mm. that just seems so normal these days. But, yeah. yeah, you think about the 80s when video, you know, VHS was still a very new thing. Or didn't exist. Or didn't exist. Far yeah. enough back. Yeah. Um, yeah, that must have been a really big deal. Yeah. Cool. Oh, there you go. Peggy Lee. Power to the women. Um, so that brings us to... Okay, so as I said before in the episode, we watched this with our two dogs, our new puppy and Maggie. Um, and I think Angie was a little bit distracted because of that. Like we, we had the puppy laying on us and it was very cute. And there was a lot of like, oh, look at that. Look at her reacting to that dog barking and all that sort of stuff. Um, and at one point in the movie, Angie just turns to me and goes, is this the movie with the fucking pasta bit? Because I'm here for the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Drum roll, please. And the winner is. Bella Notte. I think that was um, unsurprising. <laughs> it makes me really happy in my heart. It does. But you were just saying, as we were tallying those, that it is still, it's like it's number seven on our. It's number seven and we are far, far from being done with these shows. Yeah. And it yeah. puts it, hello, Maggie. Yeah. Uh, it puts it behind in a world of my own at number six. Yeah, which seems really bizarre because I think we both really loved this song mm. probably more than that. Yeah, we did. But if I look at it, it's the the lyrics that split those two. Yeah, And, okay. I, you know, as much as I love it, I'm like, you do have a valid point about that lyric being a bit redundant. No, you do. You people do. not translating no. it. And that's um. the thing. Like our, our criteria is good and I think that our um, justifications for scores are, are good. Yeah. It is surprising though when we go, oh, we really loved that song. There is problems with it, but we yeah. really loved it. Yeah, so I, I, I think we're doing all right. Yeah, I mean, like on the, um, if we just look at music and lyrics, it's still in number seven, but it's behind "You Can Fly." Yeah, and yeah. I, I think about "You Can Fly," and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess like there's more to that song. Yeah, actually, um, I think it's important to note that it's actually equal to "You Can Fly" in terms of overall oh, scores. Oh, actually, yeah, and there it's are behind a few, "When You Wish Upon a Star." Yeah, there are a few that are equal. So if we think about it in that way, it's actually one, two, three, four in fifth place, not seventh. That is true. It's just showing up as seventh on our list. That's so, true. But yeah. the Walrus and the Carpenter is just dominating, yo. Oh, it's smashing everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you write like an eight-minute masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Walrus and Carpenter, masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Walrus and the Carpenter is winning, but on a total it's only on 29.5 and that's still a far still cry. Still far cry from... F well, the nothing's cracked 30. No. 
No. So it's coming. It's I'm com- feeling oh, like it's coming. F- I can feel it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Phil Collins, <laughs> the best Disney movie. Oh my <laughs> god, we are going to have that. Will be a rage of an episode. That one. Okay. Well, we will see you in two weeks for Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. All right. Take it easy, guys. Bye bye. Powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.